0: Hey, you wanna watch some TV or
1: something? Skip it. Well, I'm getting ready to watch a video. Really? What? Nothing but foul language and toilet humor! I'm disgusted and repulsed and and I can't look away.
0: No way, no way, Jose. <laughs> this just in. Go to hell. This conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! Stop
1: it! Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! Stop it hello friends and listeners welcome to another new episode of watch Skip plus this is the movie review podcast with a lifestyle twist. I am Jose also known as cupcake also known as machine gun jelly. I'm gonna revive that nickname and I'm joined with my co-host Alex MC also known as Barbie Barbarian. he's doing karate chops. you guys can't see this it's amazing. <laughs> it's fantastic it's like a like a martial arts uh, what do they call? Them? I have no idea. No, whoa! Well, are you taking judo? There, it's uh, yeah, called but... a. Uh, it's called a kata. Is that what it is? A kata? Sure. <laughs> Any, anyway, Alex and I, MC and I, will review a new movie, either streaming or theatrical. And before that, we each give you a plus. That is our lifestyle twist. The plus can be a review of anything. Maybe it's a hobby that we are interested in, or we've started, or it could be uh, an art exhibit, or I i, I don't know. I, it could be anything. Uh, MC, how are you? Hey, I'm doing good.
0: Um, it's been a, a rough start to the year with the movies that we've had
1: to watch for this podcast. Oh, yeah. But Some treasures. Well, wait a minute. One man's treasures is another's skip.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um I don't know, hoping next week Dune 2 comes and uh, revitalizes some, some theater energy that's much needed, but
1: yeah, I'm doing good. Good. Um, How are you? By the way, I've read some of the headlines for Dune 2. Uh, don't yeah. get your hopes up. Oh, geez. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. And now I, I can just hear the the listeners furiously tapping away. Dune 2 reviews, advanced reviews. <laughs> I'm doing good. Uh, I survived the... The short week, short weeks really are the worst. Are they not the worst at work? Like I didn't have a short week. Oh, oh you were okay. So I'm a I'm a I'm a guvy So I was mm. off on Monday, but it's always those four day weeks that are just insanity, right? Yeah. Uh, and then the next week, that's a full week, always feels way
0: longer because you have a whole nother day than you did the prior week.
1: Yeah, it's just I. Am advocating for if a holiday falls on a Monday, then we should start either start the work week on Wednesday or not, or just be off the entire week. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> uh, write write your senator. So, what are we reviewing this week? Yeah, this week we are reviewing
0: Drive Away Dolls um, mm. from Ethan Cohen, and that name might
1: be familiar to our listeners. Wh- will it? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, so we actually have some pluses. I think you went first last week, so I'll go first. Sure. As many of the regular listeners will know, I love to crowdfund things on the promise that I'm going to get some exceedingly cool gadget, and it's going to change my life. Um, unfortunately, 50, I think, no, actually, I want to say 60% of the things that I've crowdfunded haven't come through. And I've gotten your money back at all? You don't. So that's the fun about it. That's that's kind of the fun about it. Uh, So about sixty percent of it, the the products have not come true. There is one that I am still smarting over because I really wanted it. It was they were making a portable bidet, so it was going to be like a. Alex, Alex is laughing, um, yeah. but it was going to be, it was going to be a portable bidet. It you basically, there was a water reservoir. It was really beautiful. You could pick your colors um, and it you could take it with you, or you could use it as a bidet if you didn't want to make that jump. For those of you who do not know what a bidet is, B-I-D-E-T, either travel to Europe or Google those things. I won't explain it, but... I recently received something called the Hyphen Aria. Aria, like the solo in an opera, A-R-I-A. The company is called Hyphen, but it's also, its parent company is called Rolling Square. And this is part of the uh, Open Ear Pods as I said before in the show, I really don't like putting things in holes on my body. (laughs) Um, Insert your joke here about me being gay. But I really don't like wearing earbuds or, or headphones that go into my ear canal. I really, for whatever reasons, I don't like it. It plays with like the pressure volume. So for example, shocks is one of the bone, bone conduction headphones where, you know, it sits outside of your ear. You don't, plug anything into your ear. I actually have a pair of those that I love. The hyphen aria is the same thing. It it doesn't go into your ear canal. It actually sits outside of your ear and it uses air conduction. So there's bone conduction if you've ever tried it, which is super weird because what happens is, is, sometimes I'll plug in with my shocks and the volume will be at 100 and I'll start music and it's like your head starts vibrating. Um, yeah. So you can actually, because the, the point behind the bone conduction is that it, it like, it uses the sound waves to vibrate your auricular bones, but you can feel your like cheekbone vibrating if you have the volume up high. Um, so if you if you Google hyphen Aria, I'm sure you're going to see it because you can actually pre-order these. I think they pre-order and retail at like $149. Um, I think when I crowdfunded it, I paid $65 or something. Okay. So um, I have been testing them out. I'm actually wearing them right now. Nice. Um, and I, I love them because I can hear people around me while I'm listening to this. uh, They are very, very comfortable. The other thing that that my issue is, is my left ear has a little bit of like a cauliflower ear to it. There's actually a a cyst from it, from my eczema and and me scratching unconsciously at night. So unfortunately, some earbuds don't, they won't fit in that that left ear. And um, Alex is like trying to look now, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but the uh, aria is blocking it so you can't see it you can't see my ugly yeah. cyst inside my ear my cauliflower ear for once at least these both fit they fit comfortably they don't hurt i love it everybody look out for it it's it's pretty fantastic that's my plus the hyphen aria cool. also if you would like to sponsor us hyphen slash rolling square please write us at watch plus at gmail.com and nice mc way. what is your plus yeah,
0: mine's um. I'm going a little different this week. Um, my plus is going to be brownies. Just in mm. general, I like brownies. What kind of brownies? <laughs> <laughs> Any kind of brownie. Um, Got it. They can have drugs and then they cannot have drugs in them. That's up to you. That's up to you. But dealer's choice. Yeah, I've just uh been eating a lot of brownies recently. Okay. I like them because I like the texture in my mouth. I like a good. I like chocolate. Chunks inside of it. Excellent. So there's some like bits of chocolate that it maybe get explode into your mouth. Um, Maybe some nuts sprinkled on top or inside. Enticing. Those those are nice to have, but not like they don't have to be there. So my favorite brownie is Claire Safet's brownie recipe. Uh, Okay. She's a, a, I don't know, a chef or a, a baker or something like that. Oh, Google
1: um, says American Food Journalist and Chef. And her last name go. is spelled S-A-F-F-I-T-Z. Continue. Yeah, uh, we have her cookbooks. And my
0: girlfriend has been, like, cooking through her cookbooks. And I got her to make me the brownies once. And they changed my life. I'm so now, if I'm, if I'm going out, we have, like, this bread store across the street that I get a sandwich at sometimes. And I'm always going in and being like, you guys got any brownies? And... <sighs> They rarely have brownies because they always sell out, so oh, um, they
1: sell out, wow, yeah,
0: so okay, i 'm a, okay. a big brownie guy, I think if you haven 't had a brownie in a while maybe maybe give one a shot,
1: yeah, I love it,
0: yeah,
1: uh, so this says i mean i 'm looking at one i don 't know i don 't know if this is the one you 're talking about, but the description goes. The brownies are made with malted milk powder and milk chocolate, giving them a unique flavor similar to a malted milk ball candy. They are mm. extra chewy and dense, which I mean, that's how I, that's how I believe you and I both like brownies. chewy yeah. and dense, yeah. Yep. yeah. Actually, you know what? This is funny, um, kismet again. Uh, last week, we both had pluses that centered around clothing. Which, by the way, there was uh, the recent—have you read about this? The MLB pants debacle, the jersey debacle. So, um, just as a little side uh, tangent, MLB and Nike put out these new jerseys for professional baseball teams that are supposed to be um, uh, sweat-wicking and light and help with mobility. But the problem is, is they look super cheap, Teams and people have been complaining. The stitching is all wrong. The letters look small. It looks like a replica jersey because there, there isn't, you know how the letters can be like stitched on and raised and mm-hmm. they're of a different material? Mm-hmm. Well, it's all one piece. But the issue is, is the pants that came with it are see-through. So nice. after the promo pics came out, people were like, mm, "It kind of looks like they're wearing diapers." And then this poor guy—I think his name is Casey Schmidt. I don't—I don't do the sport performance. I, that's a joke, actually. I, I do love baseball and basketball, but sports, I'm—I'm I'm not a big. But Casey Sh, Casey Schmidt took like a team photo of it, and he was like posing, like in this really dramatic pose. And you could see his balls. So (laughs) poor guy. That poor guy. It's all over the internet. Um, But uh, the kismet, going back to our brownies and your plus, is that we ordered Papa John's last night. We ordered the works pizza and then we got their double chocolate brownie, which, Mm. I mean, so when we split it, that's about four big brownie pieces but by the time i get through three of them i'm like it's too rich too chocolatey i can't yeah and then there's always like one stray piece that can't join its family in my stomach and i have to throw it out so sorry (laughs) sorry horrifying (laughs) no that's that's part
0: of what i like about brownies is you can get them anywhere like if you're ordering pizza they always have brownies throw them in like going to a, a sub place or a sandwich shop like they got brownies that's what I like about them. And everyone you have is at least kind
1: of good. Like, I've never had a bad brownie, unless it, it's like burnt, but they're not going to sell you, those. This reminds me of a line from Andrew Fleming's Threesome. Have you ever seen that movie with no. Lara Flynn Boyle, Josh Charles, who's a local boy, and Stephen Baldwin? You should. It's actually very funny, but there's a line in it that Stephen Baldwin says, Eddie, you have to change your whole outlook on the subject matter. For me, sex, it's like pizza. Even if it's bad, it's still pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Which, I mean, it applies to brownies, does it not? Even I if agree. it's a bad brownie, it's still chocolatey. It's still a brownie, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that brings us to our movie review proper, and that is Drive Away Dolls, the aforementioned film, directed by Ethan Cohen. MC, do you want to start with the cast?
0: yeah sure um I I'm not gonna go through everyone but I have a few people that I wrote down and some cool facts so I'm gonna start with Margaret qualey Quayle? Qualey I think it's I don't you know what it's probably qualey you're the double L go for it okay um she is the daughter of Andy McDowell who is incredible
1: I love her wait did I not know this this is a <laughs> this is a surprise to me you did really know yeah I had no idea. Holy <laughs> shit. Well, okay. Well, that also explains why she's gorgeous. But go ahead. Go yeah. ahead. Margaret Qualley. Qualley. Yeah. She, uh, she,
0: she started out as a model and then got into acting. She gained a recognition for her role in The Leftovers. Have you seen The Leftovers? It was on mm. HBO. Yes, um, yes,
1: yes, yes, uh, yes. Yeah. What's his face? Yeah. Sexy, I don't know his face either. Yeah. Real Dated sexy. Jennifer Aniston. Justin yeah. Theroux. Justin, Justin Theroux. Theroux. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So she,
0: she gained recognition for her role in that. And since then, she's been in a lot of stuff and has like gained a lot of recognition. So she was in The Nice Guys in 2016. Yep. She was in your future husband, Adam
1: Wingard's Death Note. Yeah, yeah. All right. Hashtag and, Adam Wingard, bingo.
0: And I, I think the most recent thing that I, like, Noticed her in was Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yep. She plays yep. one of the. Oh, like Sydney Sweeney last week.
1: Um, yes, in Once Upon a Time. One of the exactly. like flower children or whatever they were called. And um, actually, and she was in uh, Netflix's Maid. Have you seen yeah, that? So I have good. Not. I have Oh. Not. But, so yeah, she plays what... like a single mom um, and her husband unfortunately is abusive. The husband is played by. Uh, Nick Robinson, who was in Love, Simon. Great young actor. Uh, but no, she's so good in Made. Yeah, I saw she's been
0: nominated for Emmys and SAG and all that stuff for Made. And in 2023, she was in Best Picture nominee Poor Things, which we will talk about in a future episode.
1: Yeah, Oscar time!
0: I was wondering <laughs> if you saw she starred and executive produced Sanctuary with Christopher Abbott.
1: Yes, because I love Christopher Abbott. So, yeah. Same. Yeah, I was about yep. to mention that. I I will watch that guy in anything, quite honestly. He, even when he has a tiny, tiny role, he's one of the best parts of, of whatever project he's in. So yeah, yeah,
0: I just realized, actually, both of them were in Poor Things.
1: Yes, that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> And she is set to star in Yorgos Lanthimos' next film, titled Kinds of Kindness. No, so all kinds of kindness. Yeah. I'm going to move on to our other co-lead in this movie, which is oh, I can't Geraldine Viswanathan. Oh, geez. I, I said it so many times before this. Okay. Geraldine I think it's Viswanathan. Vis- Viswanathan. There you go. <laughs> I'll start over. Geraldine Vizwanathan, Um, she is of Indian Tamil descent, born in Australia, but she moved to LA when she was 15 with the hopes of becoming a Disney slash Nickelodeon star. Cool. I don't think that really worked out for her. It said like her first job, this was before she moved to LA, but in Australia she did, she was like reading in the cast, she was a reader in the casting rooms for Crazy Rich Asians. Oh um, and okay. that was like her first her first role in in movies. And then since then she had like her breakout role in blockers, which we talked about a couple weeks ago with Catherine <laughs> Newton was in there.
1: Goes back to blockers. What?
0: Yeah. <laughs> um so that was like her, her breakout role. Since then she's appeared in a few things. Bojack Horseman, you've been telling me to watch Cat Person. But I was between Sanctuary and Cat Person, and Christopher Abbott was the tiebreaker, so...
1: Good choice. So uh, Cat Person made a big splash at Sundance, um, other circuit uh, festivals. It is now on Hulu. It stars my future husband, Nick Braun, um, and a really, really cute, adorable girl. I can't... A uh, w- uh, woman, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, I I can't remember her name, but I've seen her in stuff. But everybody check out Cat Person. It is like, it's a slow burn, very much like Fair Play, which was on Netflix and also at Sundance. Amelia Jones is her name. She's adorable. But it's provocative and very, very interesting. It has something very interesting to say about dating in social media times. It's excellent. Geraldine,
0: I believe, will star in Marvel's Thunderbolts. Um, coming soon. So sweet.
1: Good for her. Yeah, she's getting There's that the- Marvel money. Yeah, <laughs> she's replacing Ao Adibri. Oh um, really? Yep. Oh, she probably saw the writing on the wall when she saw the yeah. script. Okay. <laughs>
0: I wanted to give a shout out to Beanie Feldstein. Yep. She is the
1: the sister of Jonah Hill. <laughs> uh, which, which I is- I knew that before, but I when I found out that they were brother and sister, I was, I mean, I'm not saying that she looks like Jonah Hill, um, but um, you can kind of see the family resemblance, but I I didn't, it didn't immediately connect with me. Yep.
0: And I think like her, her role in this makes sense because whenever I think of her, I think of her in other, like, I guess, teen comedies. This isn't really a teen comedy, but she was in Neighbors 2, and then Ladybird and Booksmart, which the, the last two are incredible. I'm a big fan. Oh, my God. Booksmart is – is she was so good in that. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And another reason I wanted to shout her out was I thought her name, Beanie, was awesome. So when we got a cat, we named our cat Beanie.
1: Aw, that's – I bet you Beanie Felty would love to know that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so – yeah, I had to shout her out. Then there's a lot of other people in this film that are very recognizable. Um, we have Matt Damon, who, who? everyone knows. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to go through everything he's been in. The Martian? Um, Pedro Pascal's in this for
1: oh, maybe 45 seconds. I was uh, pleasantly surprised to see him and then immediately disappointed Because he's only in it for 45 seconds.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Then we got Coleman Domingo, who I believe is nominated for an Academy Award this year. Yes, for the film Rustin. Yep. And then the other notable person I saw was Bill Camp. Love Bill
1: Camp. What else is he in? Oh, my God. So, um, have you... Do you remember that crazy... It's not a crazy movie. It's actually not bad. And when I say Sound of Freedom is not that bad of a movie, I have not jumped to the Republican conservative side, okay? <laughs> I'm just saying that, like, if you take away all of the politics surrounding that movie, Sound of Freedom, it's not half bad in what it's telling and the story that it tells. But Bill Camp was in that. He's been in, like, Birdman, he was Detective mm. Garrity in Joker. He is an excellent, excellent actor. Brings like the gravitas, like you wouldn't believe. Um, but he, yeah, he's he's fantastic. He's been in um, uh, television shows like The Outsider, The Queen's Gambit. He's such a good actor. He's awesome. His voice in this made me think it was
0: H. John Benjamin, who's the voice of uh, Bob's Burgers, like the main oh, voice. <laughs> <of Bob's Burgers.
1: laughs> That's good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, no. Bill, Bill Camp. I think they'd have to pay him a million dollars to voice an animated show. Yeah. Like I yeah. think he's he's like serious about the craft, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh those those about all I had for the cast. There was one person who does their best attempt at I think a discount Paul Giamatti, and that was Joey Slotnick. I'm sure you know exactly who I'm talking about. Yes.
1: He <laughs> um I love that guy. He's a good character actor. I was a little shocked by his appearance here. He's, uh, uh, I mean, it could just be old age, but he has gotten thinner than I remember him. But if you ever saw Twister or Hollow Man, um, he has uh, sort of supporting roles in those films, especially Hollow Man. I i love him. Joey Slidnick also showed up in Plane, which has a sequel called Ship, which I think is hysterical. Uh, that's the one with uh, Gerard Butler um, it's very—it's a very like '80s Canon Pictures throwback action film. Um, But yeah, Slotnick's been around. He's—he's he's television actor as well as movies. Love that guy. And then the other guy that's with—that's with him, C.J. Wilson. He's actually kind of a local actor, I believe. I—I want to say he's from Pennsylvania, but I feel terrible because he played a—I'm going to say special adult. Because we don't use the R word anymore, yep. um, but he played a special adult in a Showtime show called the Bro- the Brotherhood, which was amazing with Jason Clark and Jason Isaacs, the two the two Jasons. And I thought he was actually special, and then it turned out he wasn't. <laughs> so I was like, wow. So he got on my radar as an actual good actor. Um, so it was it was nice to see him in a Cohen film. Uh, I was surprised because he's not that big name of big name of an actor, but he cropped up in a substantial role here. So, yeah, yeah he was he was the other goofball assassin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I should mention that Beanie Feldstein is also a big Broadway person. She was in Hello Dolly, and then she frontlined Funny Lady, and there was a whole to do about her being in that because what ended up happening was that she ended up missing like a lot of shows and people would buy tickets and then go to see her and then she wasn't there and then she got replaced by Leah Michelle who who is rumored to be a horrible diva like just mm. not pleasant to work with question mark um just google Leah Michelle and glee and you you'll see um in fact there are cast members of glee that like they're like I will never work with her again so <laughs> yeah I know right yeah so Thank you for that. Thank you for the yeah. cast. And on to sort of below the line, just really quickly Ethan Cohen. I mean, what can we say? As MC said, the name should be familiar because Ethan Cohen is the brother of Joel Cohen. They are the Cohen brothers. I think when we talk about American filmmakers who are always, quote unquote, in the conversation, so we've got Martin Scorsese, we've got Steven Spielberg, Francis Ford Coppola, Brian De Palma. I would put the Coen Brothers in there. I would I would jam them in there as as uh, premier American filmmakers. So, you know, interestingly enough, they have always written together, produced together. Um, they are known, obviously, for their. I mean, I think combined between the two of them, they have something like a hundred and fourteen awards and nominations by various critics circles. So the Coen Brothers. What I love about them is that Joel Cohen started out in filmmaking as a production assistant and then assisting Sam Raimi. And so Sam Raimi, obviously the director of Spider-Man, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans. So good. So good. Yeah. But I will tell you, I'm sorry. I am an Andrew, Andrew Garfield Spidey guy. I think, So is my girlfriend. I think he really, first of all, he looked fantastic in this suit, but I just thought that he was better. As mm-hmm. as Spider Man, he's my favorite Spider Man. Uh, Garfield, yay, Team Garfield! Uh, but the Coen Brothers, you know, they're friends with Sam Raimi. They're they're fr- They've written, you know, they wrote Crime Wave, which is one of Sam Raimi's first films, which I am an apologist for. I love how cartoony and balls out that movie is. But the Coen Brothers, there are whole swaths of people, film lovers who love the Coen Brothers, and if you happen to say, I think, insert any of the film titles, right, that are really popular. If you say, I think the Big Lebowski is overrated, or I think Fargo is really overrated, Mm -hmm. like, they will, you are dead to them, right? That's how powerful their filmmaking is. Um, So, and I just have to say, like, how much, how many of the Coen Brothers films have you checked out? Oh, I have no idea. I can count if you buy me a couple of seconds. Yeah, no, no. So, you know, obviously the Coen brothers are known that one of their first movies was Blood Simple. It was a sort of crime noir film. Uh, But then eventually they would do what they are known for, which are these sort of like hybrid genre films. So we're talking about things like Raising Arizona, which was like crime noir, almost like... Parody comedy. Um, and then they've also done these dramas like Barton Fink, Fargo. Uh, and obviously they they won for No Country for Old Men. Um, but then they've also done films like these sort of like folksy genre hybrid films like Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And then the one of the most popular films of 2018, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. I happen to be somebody who loves their... I'm I'm gonna call them like frenetic comedies. Um so i'm I, I'm thinking particularly about films like Raising Arizona, um Intolerable Cruelty, The Lady Killers, uh, Burn After Reading, or um Hail Caesar. Like I happen to like that those films that they do versus yeah. the true, like, gritty substantive stuff like inside Lewin Davis, which people are huge fans of, A Serious Man. Uh we mentioned uh, uh, the man who wasn't there. Um we've also mentioned like uh Miller's Crossing. That's another big one for them. Mm-hmm. Uh but yeah the Big Lebowski has a huge, huge following. Um there's even a religion behind it, dudism. Yeah. Uh so, you know, and I happen look, I happen to love The Big Lebowski because I'm a huge Jeff Bridges fan, but I can see why some of their material might not work for some people. So Ethan Cohen, he's our director. Strangely, the two of them, they didn't split, actually. I heard that they just chose to pursue separate projects. And so Joel had done recently The Tragedy of Macbeth, starring his wife, Frances McDormand, and Denzel Washington. I'm glad I didn't say starring his wife, Denzel Washington. (laughs) Um, And then Ethan struck out and did uh, a Jerry Lee Lewis sort of documentary. Jerry Lee Lewis, Trouble in Mind. That was in 2022. Now, this is co written by Ethan Cohen's wife, Trisha Cook, who has worked alongside the brothers, essentially becoming their editor, but also like a co creator and co producer, right? Um, now, the very interesting thing about Trisha Cook. Which you know, I, it's making the rounds and it's out there. So I'm not. She helped to produce a lot of the Cohen brothers' stuff too. So it's not like I'm spreading idle gossip. But Trisha Cook identifies as queer. In fact, hmm. she identifies as a lesbian. But she is married to Ethan Cohen. They have been married since 1993. They have two children but they have a non-traditional marriage, an open relationship. So Ethan Cohen has a separate partner. And when I say partner, that's female. He's not gay. And then she has a separate partner who is female as well, because she identifies as a lesbian. To which I say, I love the progressiveness. You go Trisha Cook and Ethan Cohen. I think that's I mean, I know that's going to rattle some people's, like, moral compass. Oh, which way do I point on this subject? I don't know. But I just... The fact that they could embrace each other's identities and allow for that kind of thing while also creating a family unit, fantastic, fantastic. Thank you, folks. It's awesome. Awesome. Um, Our cinematographer is Ari Wegner. Now, this gal... I thought it was a man. It's not a man, baby. Uh, But Ari Wegner is from Australia. She is probably best known for the films that she has collaborated with uh, director William Oldroyd over. So we talk about these fruitful relationships, that's our term here, between directors and cinematographers. So she shot William Oldroyd's Lady Macbeth, which is um, a film that actually shot Florence Pugh to immense stardom it's the one that really put her on the radar of casting directors and then the most recent um the one no no not the wonder i'm sorry the most recent eileen uh this just came across my uh sort of feed if it as you will my life feed over prime video you can now rent this i don't know that it got much of a theatrical release but The logline for that movie goes, a woman's friendship with a new co-worker at the prison facility where she works takes a sinister turn. So Thomasine McKenzie is in it. She's a young actress. You've probably seen her in some really great great films. Shea Wiggum is in in this. Anne Hathaway is in this as well. Um, Wegner has also had the distinction of working with transgressive director Peter Strickland. Have you seen any of the Peter Strickland films?
0: No, they're they're on my radar, but yes, like I don't know where to start. I don't know, like I definitely need to be in a right, like state of mind, or like
1: you know, absolutely
0: experience.
1: Yeah, so, uh, uh, you know, Peter Strickland is unlike any other filmmaker out there. Uh, He hails from the UK. He's done films like The Duke of Burgundy. Um, uh, Barbarian Sound Studio, which is a really popular one. And then most recently, he's done a film called Flux Gourmet. Um, that's on Hulu. It's streaming on Hulu. I encourage everybody, that can be a starting point for you, MC, in terms of Peter Strickland, because it will absolutely prepare you for how he uses imagery and sound and performances to give you a very unique film. That film is about Sonic Caterers. For a time for my Instagram bio, I had Sonic Caterer down. Uh, for For the listeners, just for fun, from time to time, I changed my Instagram bio to read ridiculous shit. Like one time, I put former detective of the chicken police. I don't even know what it's set to now. I change it every now and then just to throw people off. But Anyway, Ari Wegner shot *In Fabric*, which is fantastic. Um, *In Fabric* is about a woman. Um, she's kind of lonely. She's getting back out in the dating scene. She's got a grown son, and she purchases this dress, which is possessed. It's sinister. It it kills people. Yes. You, you heard that right. Oh. So just check it out in Fabric. It's it's amazing. Peter Strickland is amazing. And then one last movie that Ari Wegener shot, that was The Wonder. And that was a Netflix exclusive movie directed by Sebastian Lelio, starring MC's future wife, Florence Pugh. Seems to all go back to Florence Pugh, you know? I don't know. I don't know. Florence Pugh and uh, what's the other movie we were talking about? I can't remember. I don't know. I was gonna say it goes back to uh, Nick Braun because she also yeah. was the cinematographer for Zola. That's right. Absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Ari Wegener, Australian, great eye, fantastic cinematographer. Uh, okay. So we're let's let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, drive Away Dolls. I'm gonna start with me. Actually, can I read the, <laughs> read like the plot? Yeah, 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 absolutely. So before before we get into our um, each of our spoiler-free reviews, and I'll start with me, um, can you give us the log line or maybe a, a summary of this film?
0: Yes, I can try. So this is just off the top of my head because anyone could just go on IMDb and read it, but um, I thought this would be more fun. Yeah. So it's two young lesbian women in i think 1999 yeah um they decide to go to tallahassee for personal reasons that's not really important to the story i don't think they borrow a car but that car was intended to also be driven to tallahassee by our antagonists um the girls are chased down i guess for the contents of the
1: car while they do lesbian shit um going to the south Amazing, I love that summary, especially the lesbian shit because you know there there is a lot of lesbian shit in this mm-hmm. uh so I'm gonna start with me I'll start with me since um you know I'm egotistical <laughs> now I'm just kidding it's my turn you went you went first last time, so spoiler free reviews of drive away dolls um I saw this with my neighbor Randy and he and his wife, and they were very much bowled over by this they Loved the Coen brothers. They loved the quirky tone of this, the in the sort of in-your-face queerness of this. They absolutely just dug it. Me, not so much. Um, <laughs> so we have a phrase on this show. Red and I have a phrase, not entirely successful. And so with this film, like, I got it. I got it. So just like the Coen brothers frenetic comedies that I love this is one of those frenetic comedies and it has a very queer bent we talked about the lesbian shit this is by the way when we say lesbian shit I'm I can't speak for MC but I'm saying I'm a fan of lesbian shit oh I love watching it so um yeah so when we say that it's not a derogatory term but just to let the viewers and listeners know, there is a lot of lesbian activity. There is there is making out. There are rotating kiss parties in basements. There are uh, jaunts to lesbian bars. So if that is something you are sensitive to, um, as if the poster of a woman's legs in the air in a V cannot tell you anything about the subject matter of this film, you have been forewarned. uh mm-hmm. So I think as something, as a, as a frenetic comedy that is queer, that is as in your face about this and treats the material like a sex comedy from the 80s when it was rampant boobies, rampant penis jokes, rampant heterosexualism, for that, I, I applaud this film. And it was refreshing, maybe a little exhausting, <laughs> <laughs> you know, to see that like, oh, here we go, diving down on another vagina, you know. <laughs> I'm being facetious, but um but when I think of queer filmmakers and the queer voice in cinema, I think you can do better than some of the what I'm gonna say are uh high high school-ish jinks, lesbian hijinks in this right so yeah. when i think of when i think of queer cinema and groundbreaking queer filmmakers i'm thinking of the films of Araki. i'm thinking of the films of rose Troche or bruce Le bruce right these these films that push the boundaries and make you re-examine like sexual identity um and and while they do take it far, I don't think that they take the queer voice far enough. And and that might be due to the fact that this is written by both his wife, who is a lesbian, and then Ethan Cohen. So we get very, very Cohen brothers stuff here, right? And and the problem the issue with this is, and you can reach through the camera and slap me. I try to avoid the trailer so much that I didn't even know that this was directed by Ethan Cohen. I really didn't. And if you roll back the what I just said right now, my voice actually got really low because I didn't want people to think I'm like an idiot film <laughs> film critic, okay? I had no idea I think Cohen had done had directed this, mm-hmm. okay? Or even wrote it. And so as I'm watching the film, I'm like, got it, got it. Margaret Quali, she's doing this thing, she's full-on 150% devoted to this character with her Southern twang. You know, the other lead, she's Tamil, she's Indian, she's gorgeous. She's doing this, like, deadpan Aubrey Plaza kind of thing. And I'm down for it. I love it. And as I'm watching it, I'm just thinking, God, this is so raising Arizona. It's so Coen Brothers meets... Uh, Danny Boyle's A Life Less Ordinary. There's like a crime element, and then there's a, a, a raunchy sex element, and then when we find out what's actually in in the in the briefcase with with Matt Damon, I'm thinking to myself, God, this is like you know Suburbicon, the the other Matt Damon thing he was in, or or this just reminds me of these raunchy sort of like comedies, and I was just like it just feels like a pale comparison to Raising Arizona, a pale Mm -hmm. comparison um, to A Life Less Ordinary. Um, And then y'all are going to watch A Life Less Ordinary and be like, oh my God, he's on crack. Like, what? So I'm talking about uh, Danny Boyle's A Life Less Ordinary starring Ewan McGregor and Cameron Diaz. It's widely regarded as one of the worst films Danny Boyle has ever done. But uh, this just reminded me of all of that, the sort of non-sequitur-like, why is this in the movie? But okay, I'm going to go with it, right? Mm -hmm. And so, unfortunately for me, the film was not entirely successful. I found that moments of it were funny. Some of it really came to life when they... There's a sort of funny racial overtone joke about misleading the 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 evil henchmen and they go other places that's kind of funny but it just unfortunately just didn't it didn't work for me despite the queer voice despite the really 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 great performances and I know I know some of this is supposed to be absurdist but there is a moment where Margaret Qualley is doing a thing in the bed Um, that she comes out to. And I just thought to myself, what the fuck are we watching? (laughs) You know? Uh, And so unfortunately, it is a marginal skip for me. I know that there is currently a lot of love for this. It's a marginal skip. MC, how did you feel about Driveway Dolls? Um, Let me just say, I am shocked (laughs)
0: that there is a lot of love for this because I didn't have a good time at all.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, shoot. I thought you were going to go the other way. I thought you were no. going to be like, Cupcake, you should only watch Madam Webb type films from now <laughs> on because you're a horrible film connoisseur. Go ahead. What? Why did you not enjoy this?
0: I was just bored the entire time. Like, kind of like you said, like, there, sometimes it's like, it's trying to be over the top, but it just, like, as I'm watching it, it doesn't feel over the top, like, The movie I I keep comparing it to is Bottoms that came out last year, I think. Oh, I I
1: didn't get to see it. I heard it was fantastic.
0: Yeah, it really was. And like, it was a lesbian comedy over the top. And just like compared to that, this felt very neutered and like it was written by an old man. Um,
1: Or an old lesbian.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. It just, there wasn't an energy to this movie. I I did literally doze off in the theater, which has never happened to oh, me before. Oh
1: no. Oh no. Yeah, I don't did know. Did you go to work again? No, I went this morning. Oh, oh that's right. That's right. You yeah. woke up and went this morning. Yikes. Yikes. Yeah. Um was there anything about the performances,
0: the actors? I I liked the performances. Um Specifically Margaret Quayley and I really liked Beanie Feldstein. Like I the energy of her scenes I felt was kind of unmatched. Um anytime she was on the screen, she was just like screaming and like tearing
1: shit down and I loved it. Really I found her I found her kind of nails on a chalkboard. So okay. not to spoil off. not to spoil anything, but um for the for the friends and listeners, Beanie Feldstein plays the ex of Margaret Qualley's character and mm-hmm. there is obviously um some tension between them and so she whenever she comes on, there's a lot of animosity and I just found her as like a screeching harpy,
0: unfortunately.
1: Okay. But uh No, I can see that.
0: I think I just And I went the other way with it. Like, I enjoyed it, but I could see how you wouldn't. Um, The antagonists in this film, I don't... Not very noteworthy. Like, I don't... I don't understand their motivations. Or... Like, I, I understand their motivations. It's supposed to be, like, a crime thriller. They're just the bad guys. They want the briefcase. But, like, the way that it ends up, I'm like... I don't... I just don't get it, I guess.
1: The it didn't thrill you. <laughs> yeah, it
0: didn't thrill me. The twists or whatever at the end that kind of turn turn the whole plot on its head and like it goes a little outside of the box. I think it was kind of to the detriment of the the whole first half of the movie. I thought it was going to be a road trip movie, but it feels like we talked about in Madam Webb where she goes to Peru and comes back, and it's just like 10 minutes, and um, they just... We don't get them driving, really. It's just them, each night at their stops, doing lesbian shit. Like, it's literally... They're like, okay, where are they tonight? Let's just have them go to this lesbian bar, and, like, the plot will progress from there. Uh, They had the trippy LSD scenes, like, four times. Like, the weird visuals, and it looked so cheap it looks like someone needed on
1: like powerpoint so just just a couple things uh before we head into spoiler section and then we can sort of revisit those but without going into too much detail what did you think about those weird psychedelic i'm gonna call them interstitials like they just seemed like it was transitioning from one from one point of the narrative to another but there was a there was a reason for it but what did you think about that i I still didn't
0: like it like each one went on for way too long and then whenever we find out what the reason is I also was like this still doesn't really fit yeah um I don't know it just like every time it would pop up it happened four times and it'd just take me right out of it well once it woke me up from my little yeah oh. <laughs> I was like what the heck is going on um yeah i I wasn't a fan of those like I didn't Think it looked good at all? I don't what do you think of them?
1: Um I don't know. I kind of I kind of like the trippiness of it. Um I I was absolutely surprised to see yet another person crop up in this in this thing, uh, yeah. another celebrity. Uh we'll we'll give that away in in the spoiler section. Um but even when I found out the reason for it, there was really no reason for it yeah does that make sense
0: yeah i feel like it was kind of a I, they were trying to make us think one thing and then they were like oh actually it's not that but then that i don't know it's kind of like what happened with the villains for me like it just kind of to the
1: detriment of the entire movie from yeah up to this point totally fell flat and you know honestly it felt like look at this cool shit we can do as filmmakers and it was like, meh. And then the other thing I wanted to ask you about was did you did you buy the the I don't think it's a spoiler to say that one of them is interested in the other. But did you did you buy that? Did you see a chemistry between the two of them?
0: Like, genuinely I I don't care. Like <laughs> Okay. I like sure they're gonna get together. Like whenever it started happening, I could tell from the, which also the characters have the most generic names ever. From the Marion, like the straight-laced character, yeah. I could tell that she probably liked the other girl. And then once it like started to be reciprocated and all, I was just like, okay, I see where it's going. I don't feel one way or the other about it. Like, I don't know, I yeah. just didn't care.
1: Because their personalities are so polar opposites, I didn't buy that they had chemistry. I really didn't. Yeah, And um, I mean, coming from somebody who's married to somebody who's a polar opposite, literally a polar opposite for me, it can work for some people. It didn't work here. So. I was hoping it would show
0: their background and like how they became friends or what their relationship is like before we are thrown into it. Like maybe that would have spoken to their relationship a little more. Like there's a scene where I just said her name after I just looked it up. The Marion character is, like, jumping on a trampoline as a little girl. Yes. And I thought she was going to see the other girl, like, across the fence, and it'd be, like, love at first sight. Like, oh, she's been swooning for her ever since, but they were just friends. But no, like, she's just seeing boobs from, like, this old
1: lady. Not old lady, but this, like, woman that lives next door. Um, Well, I mean, yeah, it obviously gives context to, like... How maybe she became a lesbian, you know? Mm-hmm. But, but again, it just it felt uh, to use a term you used recently, shoehorned. Like, did we need that? Did that advance the plot to be able to see yeah. it? Why did we have to go back to her, you know, doing that? So, yeah, I the whole time I'm thinking this, I'm like, wow, this is like if Thelma and Louise. Instead of Susan Sarandon being the level-headed person leading this road journey, it was the crazy Gina Davis who's always like in her head kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, it's a it's a it's a skip for me. Is it a skip yep. for you? Yeah, yeah, it's a skip. All right. So. Um, if you have not seen Drive Away Dolls, uh, the very explicit with cameos from celebrities, Drive Away Dolls from the open-married Ethan Cohen and Trisha Cook, we are about to spoil it in three, two, one. So this when we finally figure out what's in the briefcase this absolutely reminded me of burn after reading had you seen burn, yeah, burn after I reading yeah i love burn
0: after reading
1: i love burn after reading too and there's like that's still actually talk kind of talked about like when we think about that movie um like my friends and i we still talk about that weird reveal about george clooney making that weird dildo sex machine yeah. in his in his basement or whatever which mm-hmm. by the way my friends were like oh, you need to see Burn After Reading. And I'm like, why? And they're like, no, no, just we thought of you when we saw it. Like so <laughs> many friends were like, we thought of you when we saw it. And I'm like, why? Brad, because Brad Pitt's you know, a fitness instructor? Because Brad Pitt does the cute little dancing? No, it's because of the sex machine. They thought of me because of the dildo sex machine. But anyway, so dildos inside the briefcase are dildos that have been plaster cast by a woman named, I forget what her name was, Plastercast Annie or something like that. Yeah. There, for some reason though, and I didn't dive into this, and I probably should have, because we're, you know, we're bad, we're bad film reviewers here, but at the end of the credits uh scroll, there is a dedication to somebody named Ann Plastercaster or something it's like Tiffany that.
0: Tiffany Plastercaster.
1: Oh, is it? Well, mm-hmm. I mean, even at but at the end it says in memoriam to Tiffany Plastercaster, but, okay. Mm-hmm. So going back to this, the dildos, and what we find out, these psychedelic sort of like interstitials, um, th- so basically what ha- what's happening is that there's these very flowery, psychedelic images flying by, and then every now and then you would see Miley Cyrus, that's the other surprise, Miley mm-hmm. Cyrus sort of being like, ooh, honey, and then these people, but you don't really know why that's happening until you realize it's revealed that the that she was doping up these people and making plaster casts of their cocks their hard cocks making dildos and then what happened was is the the owners of these penises eventually went on to fame. And so Matt Damon's character is this senator who is a conservative senator who's very much like family values, heterosexuals Mm -hmm. only, like no gay people, and one of his one of the dildos is his dick, basically. And so... What we come to find out is that in the beginning, Pedro Pascal is being murdered, and they're taking the, the briefcase because they know they can blackmail people for it, right? Mm-hmm. But then it goes, it goes missing, and it ends up in the trunk of this car, but also in the trunk of the car, and this is a big surprise, was Pedro Pascal's head. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's on dry ice and just sitting there. Just sitting there since the '60s or the '70s? Question mark for no so, reason. Yeah. So, uh, you know, at first, and this is this is the part that kind of got me. So, uh, Marion goes to use the bathroom in the middle of the night, and when and she when she comes out after having her first major lesbian experience with uh, Mark Qualley's character—I forgot her name—she comes out, and Mark Quali is is banging herself with the dildo and she's got this bizarre expression on her face and she's hammering away and it's just so absurdist. At first I thought it was a dream sequence, right? Mm. But then later they're still talking about the dildos and they're still talking about using it. I'm like, Oh my God, there's dildos in the briefcase. And I just was like, "Mm, I don't know how I feel about that. You know? Yeah. And then it was just this kind of, like, waiting to figure out why the dildos were in there Mm -hmm. and why Matt Damon's so crazy over this, you know? And then it ends up, like, you know, Beanie Feldstein's character ends up, like, shooting the guy who's trying to get the dildos. and, And then he ends up in the paper as a ruined senator, you know? It's, like, found with plaster cox and something mm-hmm. else and then he's like the quote is i can explain or something. Yeah. And so i mean it was like ha 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 funny 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 but the more i thought of it i was like this could have been a netflix series, right? It could have been a mm. it could have been like a, a a streaming show that would at least flesh this out more because yeah. a, it just all seemed Crammed in there and like, haha, look what we can do queer cinema wise and with our absurdist, like, whatever. Mm-hmm. What did you think about the dildo briefcase?
0: So, before we found out it was dildos and it would do the like hallucination sequence you talked about, it was like, it would do that and it would like zoom in on the trunk of the car. So, we like knew it was in there, and I was like, okay, it's probably like LSD or
1: acid, like a bunch of drugs. That's what I thought it was going to be yeah. because and I was so, like, maybe it's all LSD stamps or really powerful hallucin- hallucin- hallucinators. Yeah. And yeah. like, I the point of it being dildos
0: is to like, it was to subvert our expectations, I guess. You know, we are supposed to think that it's drugs, but it's not. But I feel like that twist just kind of feels so weird for the antagonist. Like I was talking about, like they're literally killing people and each other over dildos. And we never see a scene that's like, what are they going to do with it? Yeah. Or like what they're getting from it. Like, yeah. Like Matt Damon's probably going to pay them for it since they're in possession. But like, we don't see that. It, like, it's just kind of assumed. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just, it felt it's funny that it's dildos, like a little belly chuckle or whatever, but yeah. it wasn't... I don't know. I feel like it, it kind of ruined the, the rest of the movie for me.
1: You know what's terrible is I think I recognized a couple of those as as sex toys from a particular company. And so I was waiting on the credit scroll to be like, thank you, XXX, because um, a couple of those dildos... I have seen, and that's all I'll say about it. But, but, (laughs) um, yeah, and it it all just kind of fell flat. And with all Mm -hmm. of the sort of lesbianism and stuff like that being in your face, at the end of the film, you know, they get picked up by the woman's, is it her aunt, or her grandmother it's or something like aunt. that? Yeah, and she's super religious. She's also black, so then it's kind of like, oh, haha, ha, she's your family member. That's oh, isn't this weird? Isn't this joke ever? Is like, yeah.
0: Oh, you got to meet my family member, and then the joke is that they're black. black. Yeah, yeah like, like a different ethnicity. So yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and then they talk about how you know they th- they they come out to her essentially and they're thinking like haha we're going to be in your face and then we're going to move to Massachusetts where girls can marry each other and then it turns out the conservative actually doesn't mind and thinks it's okay mm-hmm. and i was like that's how you're going to end your movie like thanks thanks i don't like it <laughs> the whole last like 15 minutes i was like wait this is
0: it like the so they they are abducted by the men who have been following them the whole time Um, actually, I'm going to go back. There's the antagonist, like the people that are following them. There's no urgency. They say at the beginning, they're like, we have to get that briefcase to Tallahassee tomorrow, tomorrow. Right. And then the girls are contemplating the, the fun going one. She's like, let's stop. Let's go see the largest Dixie cup. Let's go to all these fun places and have sex. And then the other girl's like, no, let's just go to Tallahassee to see my aunt. And I thought, oh, this is going to be, like, tense because the the bad guys are like, actually, you guys need to go. Like, we need them there at Tallahassee tomorrow. And the one girl is going to be like, no, let's go to this, the largest Dixie Cup. <laughs> and then, like, as an audience, we're like, oh, no, you guys need to get to Tallahassee to, like, because these men are going to kill you if you don't. That's never in there they don't even get to Tallahassee tomorrow and it right. doesn't matter like they're even yeah. from the antagonist's point of view they're just like well it's never even talked about that they didn't get there by the deadline
1: and then meanwhile they they go to different lesbian bars they meet up with a lesbian volleyball team and yeah. they end up going to their basement to make out, you know, uh, you know, a rotating out circle. So basically they're all kissing each other. And then the coach stands up, blows a whistle and haha, she says, rotate. And then they rotate. But the problem is, is that Marion ends up with Jamie. And then that mm-hmm. starts the whole like, oh, I think I might like you, but I don't want to ruin our friendship thing, which has been done better in other movies, by the way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the thing I was talking about, the racial overtone joke was, you know, the the volleyball team, when they find out that the the bad henchmen yeah. are trying to find them, they mislead them and they send them to a black jazz bar. And mm-hmm. they're all like, uh, are there any lesbians here? I mean, they didn't do that, but they were just like, who are these girls? I got to laugh out of that scene. But at the yeah. same time, I was quite a, kind of like, well... Why couldn't the joke have been they go to a leather bar with um lesbians butch lesbians, and they get beat up by the butch lesbians, yeah. like like far be it from us to tell you how to write your film or do your yeah. film, but that would have been funnier than oh ha <laughs> ha, they're in search of lesbians, but they end up in a black bar, and that it's awkward because they're the only white people there yeah. like that I mean I found it funny, but I don't think other people are going to find that funny, right, yeah. Um, what a mess!
0: Yeah, so so going on like it gets to the the point where the the villains catch up with them, the two henchmen catch up with them, and they like get the girls tied up. This is after the hotel like dildo scene or whatever, so we know it's <laughs> dildos now, right? And they're all tied up, and we know that the villains are inept just throughout the. I keep saying villains. I don't even know if that's how to describe them, but the henchmen. Yeah are inept because they've been bumbling idiots the entire step of the way. And they're just arguing. And, like, the one guy ends up shooting the other henchman and then shooting Coleman Domingo, who's, like, their boss. Right. And, oh, he's out of bullets, so he can't kill them. So he just leaves, I guess.
1: Yeah. Also, Slotnick... Did I get this right? Because this also kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Despite the fact that it's a queer voice making a queer movie in some ways, he says something to the guy to the effect of, you know, you like to suck cock better or more than women. Or he says something almost homophobic and the guy shoots him because he would rather be known as like this tough guy rather than potentially homosexual.
0: So then I was like, the fuck is that? Yeah, that's so that's like the start of the ending. Like, once they're in custody and then he shoots. Where I'm like, what? Like, this is how you're ending the movie? Like, this is it? Right. He shoots him because of that. He shoots Coleman Domingo. The girls get away and they're like, let's freaking call up Matt Damon. Because Coleman Domingo did the exposition. So we know why the dildos are here now. They're like, let's call him up. And then for a million dollars, we'll give him the dildos. They make the trade Matt Damon leaves and then they're outside the bar and Matt Damon now is dressed in all black and has a ski mask and he's like, oh, I'll show them. And he pulls the ski mask down, runs over and tries to shoot them. But then Beanie Feldstein's character shoots him first. So with a dog, she brought the dog. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how it gets where like he's in the newspaper that you said, where it's like, I can explain or whatever, but that's, that's it. That's the end of the movie. Right, and it was just because he, like, I don't know. They already made well, the trade, and so he's I like, I'm think, just going to go kill
1: them. Well, I think he was going to get his money back. But he's a senator; like he's he's powerful, they don't, and they don't get paid a lot. Senators are presumably so,
0: wealthy. But, uh, so
1: the well, yeah, yeah. So I think. Well, presumably wealthy from the kickbacks, but all of our public servants they they don't get paid they get paid shit actually. Actually, Mm -hmm. to tell you the truth, but that's where they that's where they make the money is the kickbacks. Or well, okay, I'm sorry, I'm gonna get drummed out of the United States for saying that, but (laughs) I'm just I'm just saying everybody knows they're not they aren't paid a lot and yet they have a lot of money wink wink okay anyway yeah. but yeah i think he was going to just try to get the money back but it it ends up backfiring and also ha ha when they're when they go into the diner to do the thing with Matt Damon the camera moves are exactly like when Pedro Pascal was meeting the other. And I'm like, okay, I gotcha. I gotcha. Same camera moves. But, and the setup is almost the same as well, but Mm -hmm. it just, it all just seemed very tired and very forced. And just like the chemistry between Margot Qualley and Geraldine cold, you know, Um, the Coen brothers have done wacky comedies, like frenetic comedies like this better and this one just did not i mean god bless randy and lisa for loving this i did not i really did not so
0: yeah i was going to say this seems like a tough movie to watch with other people and like you're the only one coming away like not loving it yeah exactly it's, it's always a,
1: a tough experience i will say um there were there are touches of this film that i that i kind of dug like just the imagery of them having sex in the shower and she's back up against the glass. Mm-hmm. And then the person's hands come um, you know, at, at waist level or leg level. I thought that was kind of mm-hmm. sexy. Um, also, some of the comedic beats were really funny. Like the, the hotel made uh, gift wrapping or, or yeah, tying the, a bow around the, the dildo or whatever. Like, so like I said, there's little, there's little bits in this that work, mm-hmm. but yeah, I can see why you got bored or why it just didn't. It's, 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 it's an odd experience where all this stuff is happening, but no energy is being generated. You know? Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Also, it rubs me the wrong way that like they, they subverted our expectations that the, it wasn't really drugs in it, but we see the drugs because they said he smoked weed once in college and the girl plastered his, his dick or whatever. Yeah. No, like, that's not what it looks like when you smoke weed. Right,
1: right. It's not
0: but we all, and all that, but...
1: But I guess the point is, politicians lie, right? Yeah. And that he probably didn't just do marijuana. It was probably something harder, which is why she was able to get him harder and do the plaster thing. I don't know. It's all ridiculous. It's all really ridiculous and it just but not in a fun way. But not in a good way, exactly. And also, what does this say about lesbians that we don't know what's in the briefcase but they open it and their eyes go wide and you're thinking, "Oh shit, it's money, it's drugs, it's they're going to they're going to they're going to end up like loving whatever's in the briefcase?" Am I supposed to think that lesbians love dildos? That's what I was wondering. I mean, listen, the, I'm sure some do. Uh, yeah, uh, we're sure some do because the, that penetrative aspect can be used, right? But mm-hmm. you don't need a phallus for lesbian love. Isn't that the whole point in some ways? And I might just be speaking out of turn because I'm not a lesbian. Same. God, I can't believe I just said that. But I'm just saying you don't need a dildo or or a phallus to... to connect intimately with another woman right
0: it's it's just for the plot
1: yeah it's just so it's like how can we
0: connect matt damon's character to this
1: yeah in much the same way that like there there are straight guys married to women who love anal play with dildos and and things and that doesn't mean that they're gay yeah so i don't i don't know just bad weird bad vibes from this the more you dig into it and so maybe it's just best to keep things at a surface level as a comedy that just doesn't work yeah yeah um so this was ethan cohen's first solo second solo film because i think okay the other the jerry lee lewis thing was like a pseudo Uh, documentary kind of thing so that gotcha. was Ethan's, and then Joel had done that that Shakespeare thing. <laughs> yeah. You ain't know that. Uh, Hello? that yeah. Hello? Hey, girl. You're I'm in the movie. Uh-huh, Shakespeare days. in love. uh uh-uh. Oh, you lying. Well, we all up in I'm... Shakespeare
0: in love? Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Next time I see uh, Ethan Cohen like, solo venture i will not um you will think twice i will know not to get my hopes up just seeing the <laughs> the last name cohen and being like oh cool like i'll check this out i'll i'll know better
1: mhm suddenly burn after reading suddenly seems funny because i i remember that the mass consensus over burn after reading was there's better cohen brother films right and so mm. now that's that's looking like gold right people <laughs> I love Burn After Reading. I love Burn After Reading, too. It's great. Um, You know what? I'm changing from a marginal skip to just a skip altogether for me. How about you?
0: Yeah, I'm going with a a skip, too. I was wondering, after the movie, I was like, if I had to go back to the movies and I could only watch Madam Web for (laughs) this, I honestly think I might choose Madam Web again. Damn! It's like watching a, a car crash. Like, it's, you know, you, your eyes burn. are kind of new to it with Madam Webb. This, I'm just bored with it. Like, I don't yeah. Know. If you want to watch a raunchy lesbian comedy, go watch Bottoms. I
1: think it's on Hulu now. It is on Hulu and Prime, actually. Awesome. Um, yeah. And it's, it was due to premiere on Paramount Plus one weekend and then it didn't, but it might be on there too. Damn, burn, Cohen Brothers, burn. <laughs> All right. Well. If we completely got this wrong, OK, one of the reasons we start started this podcast, Red and I, was, you know, we do want a community, like a podcast community for discussion. So, you know, reach out to us. We would love to hear feedback. We would love it. MC and I would love feedback. So, you know, you can uh, write us at WatchSkipPlus at gmail.com. Spell out all the words, no punctuation. You can also reach out to our social media, Instagram and Twitter. Yes, I'm still working on the Facebook page, which really just means I need to put myself in front of the computer and do it. Uh, If you love us, you will absolutely love our Podfather's Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, as well as Not a Bomb. Not a Bomb Classics is coming up, which I'm going to guest on. We are doing Deliverance, which is great. I am also set for a couple future Guest appearances coming up soon. You also love the OG podcast uh, movie review, guys. The Night of the Living co- podcast. They are still going strong. We also love Wild Dream podcasts, Death by DVD, Raiders of the Podcast, Backlook Cinema, VHS Files. Don't forget, they also have YouTube presence as well. Silva and Gold, Cult of Muscle, Feminine Critique, and Married with Clickers. And so, lights, camera, sign off. Every movie is a story worth telling. Or or is is it? it? Okay, we're going to get that. We're going to get that soon. (laughs) (laughs) New sign-off. New sign-off, folks. Yeah. So, see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Bye.
0: You don't know me. Nice, Mrs. Pancakes. Real nice. Next week on the Days and Nights of Mrs. Pancakes. You don't
1: know me. Then let me get to know you, damn it. Uh-oh. Spoilers. I'm a full season behind.
0: Oh, uh, I told you. I was going to ask you personal questions. I wrote down a list. Can I ask you, like, two of them before yeah, we start?
1: Sure. Um, yeah,
0: sure. What are your go-to pizza toppings?
1: <laughs> no way. Really? Yeah. Um. Okay. Uh. Wait, you don't want to do this on the recording? or? <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. I can't. You don't care? <laughs> it's fine. Um. Actually, I'm recording now. It's fine. So, uh... What are my top two? Well, I definitely love pepperoni. I cannot live without pepperoni on a pizza. Um, and so I guess my... Ooh, green peppers. That's a good choice.
0: Yeah. How about you? Um, I'm a sausage, then a pepperoni. Okay. But so
1: As, we this, as long we as this... there's
0: sausage and pepperoni,
1: anything oh. else can be on there, and I'm cool with it. Okay, so my favorite um pizza to get is like a meat lovers where it's got yeah. like ham, pepperoni, sausage, even spicy chorizo which mm. i don't know uh lisa um uh my neighbor's wife randy randy's wife lisa said that like chorizo is vegan but it's a s- sausage how can it yeah. be vegan like i'm a little confused I always thought sausage was like there's an animal and there's like an animal's organs lining. I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Yeah. But I don't know. Cool. And then
0: another question. I have a whole list. We'll do, if you could try one hobby that you've never done before, what would you pick?
1: So I actually have an answer to this question already. Mm -hmm. Um, So as I told you before, Um, You know, we can probably tack this on at the end and just be like, Alex and Jose get to know each other. (laughs) Um, uh, So I already have that hobby in mind. So I I told you before that I wanted to be um, a a makeup artist. Like, I love makeup. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be a makeup artist. I know some (laughs) makeup artists who are huge now, huge. And there's always a part of me that thinks if I had stepped through door A with them would I be somewhere else? And so the hobby would not be makeup related, interestingly enough, but it would be the trajectory that my friend Georgia Allen had followed. So Georgia worked with me at the Sephora in Columbia. And then eventually she moved out to New Mexico and I started seeing her name as like the makeup artist on films like Haywire uh, with uh, with Gina Carano or Legion with uh, Paul Bettany. And uh, she ended up in makeup. She ended up touring with The Lion King. She ended up doing the Lord of the Rings films and living in New Zealand Mm -hmm. for, like, you know, however months that took to do all three films. She moved back to the States. She did, like, television shows. Some of them didn't get picked up. Some did. Uh, And then she went into wig making. So uh, my hobby, and especially since I have now lost all my hair, (laughs) my hobby would be learning how to make wigs and hair pieces Um, because I have this fantasy of, uh, essentially getting back my youthful good looks with like long hair, but doing it through hair pieces. Now, if you know anything about making hair pieces, it takes, it takes a while because you, you literally have to hand tie them into like the stuff and there's a whole Mm -hmm. art to making the, the little base piece. Yeah. So... Yeah, and there is a cool. there's an outfit in New York City, that it's something like eighteen hundred dollars over like two days, and they will teach you from like start to finish how to do That's it. That's Pretty cool. So that would be the hobby. How about you? What would you What would you pick?
0: Uh, yours, yours has a lot more of like a backstory there. I think I would just do, like woodworking, because yeah? it'd be nice to like. Do, i don't know do something with my hands and like i know i'd be bad at it at first but then like <laughs> hopefully eventually like just repeating and get better and also i hate going to target and like buying a shelf for the wall and it's like 20 dollars, and it's just a little piece of wood and i'm like it'd be cool if i could just make that and then i don't have to worry about it but um yeah i do something like that i'm not like a I don't know a manly man or whatever it is, but no, I, God, like, I think it'd be fun to like build a table or
1: whatever. No, exactly, exactly. Um, uh, yeah, no, no, no. I feel I feel the same way. Like, so it's funny. It's funny you mentioned that. First of all, I also imagined you like on a beach with your back towards like a palm tree, like whittling like a little tiny oh. figure with yeah. a little. You know what I mean? While you're like whistling, I'm like. I can see allies doing that. That'd be that. fun. <laughs> um, but what it immediately made me think of was, um, I think the other hobby, which would probably benefit me more than making wigs <laughs> or hair pieces, would mm-hmm. be becoming a cook or exploring how to cook. Yeah. Because I probably spend 200 a month on Chipotle- When when you literally could probably make it at home from scratch, and and make enormous batches of it, and not spend two hundred fucking dollars, right? I was literally thinking that one of my pluses. Whenever I was
0: trying to think of what my plus should be, I was like, maybe I should just share like my burrito bowl recipe.
1: Yeah, there you go.
0: Quickly walk through the process. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, we cook all the time. I love cooking, but. There, there's something that's different about like eating out. Like it just tastes different. Even if you follow the exact same steps, like I
1: don't know yeah, what this it is, is, but this is true. It's certainly not to rule out going to like a, like a French restaurant or something like that. But, mm-hmm. but you know, for all the money I spent at Chipotle, I can, I bet I can just make it on my own, but <laughs> <laughs> all right. Who's ready? Who's ready? This guy. All right, here we go. You ready? Yeah. Yeah.